And welcome into Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker Ryan Green, along with Southeast Orthopedic Specialist Denny, the good folks there at George Moore Chevrolet. Well, I, I hope everybody here has already gone there. I'm just assuming they have. They buy a car, get service or something. Just good people at George Moore Chevrolet. Boy, Justin Moore, like got a good crew over there. You'll enjoy buying a car there. They're established, too. They've been around a long time. Forever. There's a reason for that. Yeah, forever. Yeah, so we certainly appreciate it. Not literally it. forever. I don't know when they started. I've been around a long time. It's been there for yeah, a while. Since I was uh, uh, fresh in the business, that's for sure. So Southeast Ortho and George Moore Chevrolet, thank both of those for bringing you Gator Bites here today. All right. Florida gets the victory over Vanderbilt. Was it a thing of beauty? No. But at the end of the day, at the midway point, Denny, the Gators are 4-2. and two. And I think if you would ask most realistic Gator fans coming into the season, you're 4-2 and two through six games. I think most realistic Gator fans would probably have taken that. Yeah. Well, yeah, on a base level. Keyword is realistic Gator fans. Well, no, I think I think we just know what we see, right? It's like we can't just point to four and two because there's the the things that we watch in these games that go, well, wait a second, okay. You mean two number threes on the field? The well, I, I mean, it, it's not even that. It's just they they don't put people away, right? There's there's just a but but then. I had this thought. I, I keep seeing these things pop up because it's kind of recruiting season right now. And so there, there were a thing popped up, I guess, on three, put it up, about Florida has had the most true freshman play of anybody in the country. And then you add to that that there's one senior, right, in the starting 22. And I don't know who's going to go out in the draft early. I, I don't know any of that stuff. But the bottom line is a very, very young football team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that we're seeing is what happens with very young football teams. And so it's like I've kind of made my mind up in the last week and a half that, all right, let's 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 really just scale back on the criticism of Napier and these guys and realize that no matter how many coaches they have, they are dealing with 18-year-olds primarily, 19-year-olds primarily, who's this is their first time on a college campus or their second year. Um, and let let's let's see what this looks like next year. You know what I mean? Like so that four and two to your I guess where I'm going with that is when I put it in that perspective, then that four and two is impressive. Then that four and two is good. The starting at the foundation of this, because again, this is not something normally you would even mention, but we talk about progress, right? And getting better. Well, they go to Nashville last year, and other than Anthony Richardson, they did not play particularly well and lost to Vanderbilt. A year later, they were pushing Vandy all over the field on the line of scrimmage. So if you're talking about progress at an elementary level, obviously that's better in 2023 than it was in 2022. Well, I think when you take, you know, the fandom away from the season, we I think fans do this in the offseason really well. But once the season starts, as you should, because they're keeping score, when you take the fandom away and you sit back and you look at this and you can see changes like that, their front seven on defense is way better than what they were last year, right? I mean, and yeah, there's been times where they've not looked great this year, 
but we see what we see. We see big, strong guys. Um, we see teams having a hard time running the ball on them, um, and, and really they don't get pushed around. So I, I think like if you when the season ends, we'll look back at this, and depending on if they can find three more wins, that's that's critical. Two more to get to a bowl game, right? Yeah, it's, they only need two. I, I mean, I'm just looking for that above 500. I get you, right? I get you. Um, I think we'll look back on this and go, okay, yeah, we let let's see how this plays out next year, and and maybe even that year after because they are super young, and if he holds this class together. There'll be a reason to be excited again. And look, I want to get to the road aspect. I got a crazy stat actually to give you about the caters on the road in a moment. But they've played four home games, and they've looked really good. Now, granted, two very inferior opponents. I wouldn't call Vanderbilt necessarily inferior. I mean, they beat you last year. So to me, that's a good win. And then a great win over Tennessee. So Florida, (laughs) for the first time in a while, now I know it's going to get harder well, I guess you only have two home games left. That's crazy. With Arkansas and Florida State, uh, particularly Florida State, it'll be very tough. But four home games in, the Gators have done very well at home to this point. Yeah, I mean, the the, the Tennessee game, obviously, I mean, that checks every home box you want. If you get Florida State as well, then Ooh. then forget it. I mean, then the season is a success. I, I But th- there's something you said there that, kind of strikes me you said I don't consider Vanderbilt an inferior opponent and I know what you mean and I, I completely agree but man that's got to change agreed like th- to make that statement but and it Vandy actually beat, makes sense yeah when Vandy beats I know. Nashville last year and I don't know that anybody plays particularly well in Nashville Nashville is just kind of that place right like I'm worried this week people are gonna get mad at me about Carson with Georgia car I trained Carson for those of you watching I'm not a Georgia fan um, You're an objective broadcaster, right? Right, but but I mean Nashville is Nashville, right? It's just kind of dead, and it's uh, the games, and so I don't know. I, I mean, I think they got to figure out something different on the road in order to find their seven. But but again, I'll echo the fact that I believe that Vandy will be an inferior opponent in a year or two when these guys grow up a little bit. No Trevor Etienne last week, but boy Montrell Johnson took advantage of his opportunity and Trayon Webb. The young man from Jacksonville, Trinity Christian, looked good as well. He's found the end zone a few times here as true freshman year. Uh, that offensive line was was dominant, and that, that that's what Billy Napier wants, right? I mean, it's not the fun and gun. It's not the spread. It's we're going to hit you in the mouth. And last week, Florida hit Vandy in the mouth, and they had no answers. Yeah, and you know, along those lines, too, Hack, is we talk about the offensive coordinator situation. We talk about all those kind of things like – are you and I'm going to ask you both of you guys this? Are you unhappy with the play calling, um, or are you unhappy with the system that they're running? Um, and I'm getting to a point that you just made. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Well, honestly, I mean, I'm not necessarily. It's funny. They basically did the same thing they did against Kentucky, against Vanderbilt. It just worked against Vanderbilt. When it works, you're not unhappy no, about but anything. I, but, but you agree he needs an offense coordinator, right? I, I agree that there's too much on his plate. I agree that he needs to, whether you call it a stubbornness, I agree he needs to take a few steps back, he being Billy Napier, and kind of let other guys assume more of a role on game day. Whether it's an offensive coordinator, special teams is a big one as well. Okay, so you're fine if he has an offense coordinator that runs the exact same system that he's running now? Yeah. Okay. Graham? Don't agree. Yeah, and that's where I think people need to it's go not, ahead. It's not play calling. It's that it, it feels like, – obviously there's more than this, but it feels like in terms of what they actually do, it feels like they run the same six plays all game. Yeah, but you know what, though? And, and I don't disagree with that. You know what Urban Meyer did a million times in a season? 
Yeah, Tim Tebow draw back and throw in the flat to Percy Harvin. And Percy would break three but tackles that's because and gain nobody 20 yards. Stop it. Right. If you have Eugene Wilson all of a sudden running the same six plays and he gains 15 yards a pop, nobody's going to care. Here, here's my point with this. Is when you say, hey, when people say he needs to hire an offensive coordinator, I don't know that it changes the system. Like, he's still the head coach, and he's still an offensive guy. And I don't know the right or wrong answer to that, but if you don't like the system, you probably are not going to get what you want out of an offensive coordinator. Well, no, and you got to recruit to the system. You recruit players for your system. Yeah, I think that's like I, – I, I think that's overblown. Oh, man. I like if You like I, a certain type of offensive lineman, either an athletic O-line or a big physical O-line. You like a certain type man, of Man, listen, all receiver. these guys are trying to get Sundays. So the big recruits are going in there saying, can you get me to Sundays? And what Sundays? It's past set, right? It's things like that. Like, I, I, I mean, if you really watch them, I, I just – a good receiver for Florida, a five-star receiver for Florida or, or a guy at the top of their, of their board, I guarantee is at the top of Georgia's board and Alabama's board and USC's board. But you don't think there's anything and, to a pro style or a spread or the different type of offenses that are run? Determining what maybe you of- need a fullback, maybe you need a tight end that's bigger, like in some things. But outside of that, no, I don't. I, I I'll think say- that is large. Now, defensively, that's a different story. But offensively, I, I think they're all the same. Basically, I'm not smart enough to really be able to offensively to really be able to break down why a system is working or not well based on who they have and everything. But here's what I will say: How come, like, like when, like when Dan Mullen was at Florida, they always had seemingly some sort of okay we've seen on tape that the defense is weak in this area so we're going to attack this thing over and over and over again or also anytime his offenses would get in any type of rut and it'd be you know a couple drives in a row they hadn't done much they'd throw in some kind of trick play or something or misdirection they would do something to try to get things rolling again it seems like billy napier is totally content when the ball is not moving to just keep doing the same yeah. exact stuff. Well, there, clearly uh, there's, not there's a couple frames of thought there, and I, I'm kind of with Napier on this. Like, there's a there's a balance to that. Like, you, you should be at a point where you just worry about you getting better every day, you being your team. Like, I shouldn't worry about as much about who I'm playing as I worry about I'm at the University of Florida, and as long as I get the most out of these guys, we're going to win football games. Now, you do find areas to attack. I understand that. But there's there's a lot of coaches that fail that build their game plan around what the other team does. Now, you want them building their game plan about what you do. You want to be so good at what you do that – you just do it. The problem is right? that's currently not true. I, I I understand what you're saying. Well, but uh, again, there are some instances this year for Florida where a punt is not a bad thing. The defense is clearly outperforming. But now y'all offense. are talking about winning and losing football. That, that and then that's that's where we're getting to. But right, like I'm just stylistically, I don't think you're going to see that change as as long as Billy Napier is there. I think Billy Napier believes what he believes, and he believes. That if he recruits well and they do what they're supposed to do in the weight room and they develop these guys the right way, just like Kirby believes, just like Nick Saban believes, that we will dominate you. Yeah, but I want to go back to something Graham said. All right, you run the same six or seven plays. All right, third and one in the urban era. What'd they do? I have no idea. They ran Tebow up the middle. Whatever they wanted to do. They ran Tebow up the middle every time. And why did nobody complain about it? Because it worked. It worked, yeah. Yeah. If things work, I don't care how vanilla your offense is. I mean, I'm sure Urban Meyer and the spread – you know, go back and, and you chart every third and one or third and two in the Urban Tebow era. 
I bet you 75% of those plays were Tim Tebow. Well, sure. sure. But the opposite is also true when it doesn't work. Right. But that's why people complain about it. Nobody yeah, complained course. about it when it worked. Well, if that, Montreal Johnson got five to six yards every single time they ran him up the middle, like they, like against Vandy, but, yeah, keep doing it. But, but y'all, that, we're, we're, we're talking about, right, okay, we're not talking about specific games. I'm not. I'm not talking about specific games. I'm talking about a core principle of the way that you coach your football team and the way you develop your football no, it's, team. Billy likes big physical offensive lines. He likes to run the football. Everybody likes big physical offensive lines. Everybody in the country, but the, nobody can get them. Like, th- th- there's a shortage of big physical guys in this country. Yeah, but you know, you know, a- a- offensive line is an issue everywhere. So my, my point is, like, you're not going you – you have to out-recruit all these guys for these same guys. Right there's not like some dude holed up in South Dakota that fits your offense perfectly, and I'm going to go get him, and nobody knows about him. That doesn't exist anymore. You're recruiting a group of maybe 400 linemen, and there's 20 schools recruiting them. And I'm maybe be generous with the 400. Right, your job as a coach is to get them there and to find out what this specific team does best and lean in on that. I just think Gator fans, I mean, we're going back a long way now, but the fun and gun of Spurrier, the spread of Urban. Agree. That's not reality. I, the optics- what reality is, is Ricky Pearsall, who was an Arizona statewide receiver, is your best player on offense. And your second best player is a true freshman that has played in four college football games in Eugene Wilson, at least your best. Well, your best player on offense well, is wide receivers. Yeah, there you but go. But your wide receivers are Ricky Pearsall, Eugene Wilson, um, I got Andy Gene. You got the the Willie Jacksons uh, or Terry Jackson's son. I mean, you don't have a plethora of talent like you had with Reed L. Anthony and Ike Hilliard and Jacquez Green. That's why you're not seeing more vertical passes down the field. Well, are you are you sure that's why you're not seeing it? Like, and and that's what I'm saying. Are you not seeing it because you don't have those guys? Or are you not seeing it because that's not this offense? Or they don't have confidence in Graham Mertz? I, I mean, I don't and, know. And that's, and that's the only point I'm trying to make is, at the end of the day, I don't know that Nick Saban's early years at Alabama or even Kirby Smart's early years at Georgia generated a whole lot of like positive offensive thoughts for people. But they eventually kind of grew into we recruit, we get better, we're going to get good at what we do, and oh, let's add this and let's add that. And we're still in that stage with Billy Napier. I, I guess that's my only point is like I, I that's coming out of this season, regardless of what happens the rest of the season, if he holds on to this this class that he's got and these guys that he needs to come back all comes back, then next year you can take the excuses off and go either your system works or it doesn't work. Like, I mean, and three the, the optics of it suck. Now that's the thing. That's what he's battling against at Florida. Yeah. Right, is the thought of Florida football, especially with Florida football fans, is C Spurrier Urban Meyer. And what did they do? They scored 50 a game, right? And they put the ball in the air. Explosive That's plays. just not what he is. No. The optics are going to be different. And in three SEC games, they're averaging 24 points a game. It's not terrible. Is it, it great? It's not good. No. It's not good. I mean, it, it's... You put 38 on Vandy. What was it? 29 on Tennessee. And then the outliers, the 14, I guess, against Kentucky. Yeah. And, and then even, you know, you, you watch the Charlotte game and, and it's... Yeah. Spurrier wins that game by 80. Right, Charlotte the, game was very similar to like the USF game last year. Right, the the Charlotte game, like Spurrier wins that by eighty with the same two teams playing, but that's just not what Napier does. He he's he's trying to build something here. So, so sorry, I, uh, my 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 problem was, and my fear is, when Billy was at Louisiana, he got to the point where he recruited a cut above everybody he played. Right, so he had better players at Louisiana than who he was playing against for the most part. So this relatively simplistic offense with 
better players and who they played against worked. I think translating that to Florida, even if he gets the recruiting class completely 100% going and gets his guys and it's really good classes, you're still going to play a couple games a year that where you don't have just better dudes in the other side of the ball. Oh, no, of course. I mean, are you? I don't know how he recruited Louisiana. I have not followed Louisiana's recruiting rankings. I Anytime that I see a, a, a program like that rise up and dominate, I assume it's development because I assume they're all kind of recruiting regionally, but their budgets and, and kind of the same. And they haven't fallen off a cliff since he left. Yeah. They're, they're still all right. They're still all right, but they're not. They're they not don't have they were. I mean, he took Osiris Torrance and, and Montreal and Johnson. Montreal. And yeah. but, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to just kind of lean on the fact that he's got young guys is my point. And, and his system is his system. And we can get on here and talk about it all we want, but it's not going to change. No. And, and so hopefully two or three years from now, this system – is so fine-tuned that those four-yard runs turn into 11-yard runs and those 12-yard passes turn into 25-yard passes because the players are just better developed and the timing's better and all that, and that's your explosiveness, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. You just got to see. Today's Gator Bites podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for the highest quality care. You can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com. And you can listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good Dr. Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in sports. Also, thank you to the good folks at George Moore Chevrolet for bringing you Gator Bites here on the 1010XL.com podcast network. That brings us to South Carolina on Saturday, tomorrow, 3.30, Williams-Brice Stadium. How's this stat? Now, you got to stay with me here. It's a okay. little bit of a, a confusing stat, uh, okay. but I will be as simplistic as I can. Oh. All right. So, the Florida Gators, if you take out the 2020 COVID year, okay. where there was nobody in the stands, all right, the or, or sit stadiums or 75% empty, have not won a road game in a full stadium against a team that went to a bowl game that same year. Does that make sense? Yeah, a team that went to a bowl game the year they beat them, or then and the stadium was full. You got to go back to 2019 Kentucky, the last time Florida won a game in a full stadium on the road against a team that ultimately won, ended up in a bowl game. Well, I really hate stats, but isn't that ridiculous though? It's ridiculous that somebody tracked that stat. Well, Connor O'Gara, SaturdayDownSouth.com. What in the world? Like, how many more things do you want to put in there to create your no, narrative? I, I thought it was. I thought it was very interesting, and the fact that I mean, you're one in seven on the road with Billy. The but Mullen wasn't winning on the road either. Home game in a full stadium. When you, when you say full stadium, you mean like a sold out stadium? Yeah, like a non non COVID year. A non COVID stadium. Non COVID okay. stadium. Okay. Oh, okay. So okay. That, that's a little different. Yeah, yeah. non COVID stadium. I think stadium. we were both thinking like sold out. Yeah, stadium. No, 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 yeah, yeah. We were I both was. Like, no. What? Yeah. Non 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 COVID non twenty twenty with no with no regulations or limitations. Yeah. Right. On so that's not out. as ridiculous. Yeah. As okay. Yeah. There you go. I'm with you. Thank you for clarifying that. So my apologies. A non COVID year where the team that they beat ultimately went to a bowl game. You got to go back to 2019 Kentucky, the last time they won a game on the road in that situation. And I got to tell you something, Gator fans, and maybe I'm wrong, and if this soundbite comes back, Marsh, you can post this on Twitter or X, whatever it is, Sunday and Monday, and I will gladly eat it. I don't know why Gator fans have any inkling whatsoever that they're going to go into Williams-Brice Stadium tomorrow and beat South Carolina. You're living in Neverland if you think that that's going to be an easy game tomorrow 
No way I'm picking Florida to win. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't disagree. I, I, I don't know how you can disagree with that statement. I, Put that in the uh, soundbite through there, Mark. Well, let me finish, because yeah. he does this to me sometimes. He will cut me. Yeah. Dude, I, I throw data to the wolves, man. He does, man. And it's like, and I'll get a notification and I'll listen and I'll cuss him out silently for like 30 seconds and I'm over because I really don't care that much. But the gator bites be popping, though. That's it does. Why. It does. Those, Yeah. But with that being said, like, I hope at this point that the staff has figured out, okay, let's at least try this differently and let's try this different. Hopefully we are. Hopefully we are entering a discovery phase on the road because obviously there's something going on. It's do you need to get to the stadium earlier? Do we need to get to bed earlier? Do well, we that's the crazy thing. To, Billy like, this week was like changing their sleep schedules. Good. Good. Try everything. Yeah. Let's try to put your feet on uh, your shoes on the wrong feet once. I don't care at this point. <laughs> there's something like you have to, you have to break this, and it could be something that's not even like doesn't even make any sense. Well, but something's got to change because on the surface they should beat South Carolina. If we were talking about this game being a neutral site, or we were talking about this game being at the swamp, what would you say about it? I think Florida would win. Right. So there's something that's got to be done on the road that that re-enters that. It's it's wild to me, man. It's but having like, said that, I think Tennessee beats Florida and Knoxville this year. You know, I think I think that works. Well, both sure, ways. there's a home field advantage, and that's Tennessee. This is South Carolina. Yeah, but you say that. I mean, South Carolina to me, a they're coming off a bye week, right? So they've had two weeks to think about this game. B, Florida embarrassed them last year, so there's some sort of a revenge factor. You're going into Columbia, where Florida doesn't normally play very well anyway, as of late. <laughs> Well, I understand, but you led this off with the stat of talking about how they haven't won a game since 2019. Yeah, we're talking about specific, and and then you we're talking about South Carolina. I think as a general rule of thumb, I'm just saying like you got to find something different because this game being played at home, we wouldn't be talking like this. No, at all. No, at all. Well, then, I get would, what you're it, saying. Would it shock me if South Carolina came into Gainesville and won? No. Would it shock you if Florida won? Would, like, would tomorrow? you say shock? I would be surprised if they won tomorrow. I think there's a difference between shock and surprised. But yeah, I would be surprised if they won. Like, what do you put the percentages at? On a zero to a hundred, I give Florida thirty-five percent chance of winning tomorrow. I think that's fair. That's about where I'm at. Yeah, too. I, I think, think that's, that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, look, if, if I would have gone slightly higher, but not much. If a turnover, a couple of penalties, I mean, it's not impossible. But what's funny to me, and and it shouldn't be, but I guess at this point I should be used to it. Is Gator fans telling me about, oh yeah, we five and two going into the bye and chalking up the win tomorrow? You're 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 nuts. I I don't know if we're watching the same team. I don't know why you think that you this just, is 1995 all over again. You just diagnose Gator fans as nuts. No, like, I'm just saying that's not Steve Tannehill in Columbia, and we don't have Danny Warfel going into Williams Bryce tomorrow. By the way, Williams Bryce is underrated too. Coldest y'all. game I've ever been to in my life: 1995, Florida, South Carolina. There was a nor'easter that hit Columbia. I was 12 years old. We're on the top row. Any Gator fan listening that was there will know about this. It had to be 20 degrees the entire game. That's stinks. Florida won 63-7. It was a Saturday night game. I'd have bounced at about 21. Ron, well, I was 12. Everybody didn't have that option. <laughs> Ron Franklin and Mike Godfrey on the call. Still maybe the best broadcasting <clears throat> duo of all time. Do you remember Steve Tannehill with South Carolina? I remember Steve Tannehill. The golden locks of Steve and, Tannehill. Yeah. Oh, it was hilarious. And they South Carolina thought they were going to win that game, and Florida went over there in boat so races. Steve Tannehill 
was former Jaguar of, Steve Tannehill. What? Really? Yeah, he. Would, I forgot about that. Yeah, he was one of my like I had a couple hosts when I visited. Because I was like a year or two younger than Steve Tannehill. Oh, you went to South Carolina for yeah. a recruiting? <laughs> Steve yeah. Tannehill was your host? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, but uh, no, coldest game I've ever been to. But back to Williams-Brice, that is an underrated it venue. Is, it is. It's fun. Like, it, it's it's a great trip to take because they just have a blast at those games. They have, we, do they have uh, the red cabooses? Are those things oh, yeah. still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, if you, this was... Last year now, we did a, a video shoot with Josh Allen, Jaguars Josh Allen, and afterwards we were talking about college football and stuff, and I asked him, what's the loudest away stadium you've ever been to? And he said, South Carolina, it's not even a question. It, it you played in the swamp twice. It's the way it's built. The stadium's said, like on top of you. Well, it's the way it's built, and I just, I don't know, I've been to a lot of games at South Carolina, and I just feel like the people are happy to go to games in South Carolina. Yeah, no, I agree. There's just, they have a blast there. And that Gamecock sounder will be oh, going yeah. all over the yeah, place. Yeah, 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 and it's a fun environment. I mean, I, I don't know, I, I think that there's like, you got to have some level as a team when you're, visit, when you're the visitor, if you feed off of that, like that's a, that's got to play somewhere. Like I would rather play in that environment than a than a dead environment. Yeah, on no, the road. Let a me ask. Thousand percent. Let me ask you this. All right. So, don't. We're not going to pick it yet. We're going to do that in just a second. Um. But back to the road thing. You know these athletes. You work with these quarterbacks. I mean, does it get mental at a certain point when you're a sophomore or a junior at Florida, and every time you go on the road, you get crushed? Well, I'm frankly? sure it does. I'm I'm sure it beats you up. I'm sure it puts that thought into your head. Now, I, I kind of separate quarterbacks going on the road or being at home, there's not much of a difference because you, I mean, you're, there's so much studying that goes into that position that I I don't think that when we talk about schedules and, and things like that, I don't think the quarterback needs much adjustment because they're, once they get there, they're locked in. There's not a whole lot, but yeah, I mean, I would think that there is kind of a, a mental block that you get after you get a beat down every road trip that it's like the night before it's like, okay. I'm falling asleep, and it just doesn't feel the same. The energy's not the same. And I'm not talking about energy that fans bring. I'm talking about your personal energy is not the same that you have in Gainesville. And that's the thing you got to figure out is, like, how do you get these guys feeling good and feeling confident um, before you kick off? It's a big week of SEC football. Florida, South Carolina is just one of six SEC versus SEC matchups quickly, man. Tell us about George Moore Chevrolet. Yeah, George Moore Chevrolet. I don't know what they're doing this weekend. They're doing something. Go over there, see them, buy a car. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what y'all, I don't know how you do. I've heard these fancy reads for car dealerships, but like at the end of the day, if you're going to buy a car, you want to be treated fair, you want to be treated well because you're spending a crap ton of money, right? Like all these car dealerships, aren't they like the same? Except for, like, I just like the dudes at George Moore Chevrolet. The good people over there. Right. It's the same Chevy as anywhere else, but just like I'd rather buy it from good people. And you can say, need I say more when you talk about George Moore? Uh, they're, I think they're like on this more love campaign. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was invited to like a Facebook page. I may be making that up. All right. Well, keep me know. updated on that. Also, Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. I don't, I don't think I'm helping myself with getting sponsorship. <laughs> no. Northeast Florida's <laughs> leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. Again, thank you to Southeast Orthopedic Specialist and the good folks. They're at George Moore Chevrolet. All right. 
12 teams, six games, all SEC games coming up on Saturday. Let's go through them based on, well, we'll do it based on my interest level. Okay, I like that. That's fair. 7.30, SEC Network, Missouri goes to Kentucky. Both of these teams. Wait, are you going lowest to highest? Uh, let me let me look at the schedule here. Yes, lowest to highest. Wow, Missouri-Kentucky is your lowest interest-level game? Lowest interest-level game. Wow. Yep, Missouri-Kentucky. Now, if they, both the won, if they both would have won last week, that would be different. Missouri loses a heartbreaker. Kentucky gets absolutely destroyed. How will both teams respond? What happens I tomorrow? Know. I don't know anything about either one of these teams. What do you want me to say? Well, I think if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're Kentucky, well, I don't know if Well, you, here's the thing about Kentucky. I said this last week. Like, just do what you do against Florida every week, Mark. Yeah. Well, I mean, they thought they had something for Georgia, and they lose by 40. Listen. So you got to wonder where they are mentally. Did you watch that game? I did. Georgia did whatever they wanted. Devin Leary missed some throws early, which could have maybe changed some of the trajectory of the game. He did. He missed some open receivers. Yeah. And Mark Stoops even said as much. Yeah, I know. I know. But but you watched the game. I did. That was not a competitive football no, game. No, it was that, not. That was not like that's the, oh, crap, Kentucky's not one of the best 10 teams in the country, and we just got drilled by a moment that I had last week. Right? As you're watching Georgia just disma- – a Georgia team, by the way, that everybody has said may not be the number one or may not even be a top five team, just dismantles them, like embarrasses them. So I don't know what Kentucky is. That's why I say I don't know what happens in Kentucky, Missouri. I, my gut is it doesn't really matter what Missouri does. It's which Kentucky team comes to play. I would tend to think Kentucky just because it's in Lexington and it's at night. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll go with you. Georgia, Vanderbilt, noon in Nashville. It's supposed to be bad weather. I mean, I, this isn't going to be a game, I don't think. This will be a like, Georgia home game. Right? Yeah, it'll be a Georgia home game. I mean, I, I think for Georgia – They've got a bye week next week before they play Florida. They've got a decent stretch of games coming up. I think for Georgia, what your your primary goal with this is obviously to win, but you you got to keep that offense rolling, right? You 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 can't go backwards with the offense. You got to continue to evolve with the offense. Carson's getting better every week. Car- Carson's Carson can take as much as you want to give him. Like he is a walking football encyclopedia. The the guy's fine. He won't win it. But Brock Bowers, at this point, if he keeps this up, he needs to be in New York at least for the Heisman as a finalist. I, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's like uh, Travis Kelsey last night. It's how how are these guys getting so open? Yeah, like what are they? Obviously, it's something they're doing, right? Because every, if it wasn't, everybody would be doing it. He is. He's special. He's special, and I think that connection. Carson's so accurate that ball placement for him. If you can let, if you can put it in a position that Brock can run after the catch, which Carson does a good job of, it's a lot of free yardage for a quarterback. Yeah, I like Georgia big in that one. Arkansas goes to Alabama. Um, Arkansas is one of the teams where this game will be competitive in the third quarter. All Arkansas games are competitive in the third quarter. They can't find a way to win any of these games in the fourth quarter. And you got to wonder if time is running out on Sam Pittman out there. I hope not, because I think he's a really good coach. Um, I I I think he's definitely somebody that like let give him one more turnover of the roster. Like a lot of the guys that he recruited are now aging out. KJ's aging out, which is he's a really good player, really good player. But I, I think he's the right fit for Arkansas right now. Although I do think Arkansas is a very underrated job. 
Mm-hmm. Like it is a very good job. A lot of money out there. A ton of money. Tyson beautiful facilities. Out there and Walmart. Walmart. Yeah. Like I mean, you get basically whatever you want out there, and you can recruit Texas pretty well. Uh, but Alabama rolls in this one. Texas A and M goes to Tennessee. That's not number one for you. Well, no, Florida's number one. Oh, okay. Doing a Gator okay, podcast. Okay, 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 gotcha. Wow, this seems like a big game, right? Like this seems like more than just a game. This seems as big for Hypel as it does for Jimbo. And I think everybody's going to go to Jimbo with this if you got to win this game. But I think Hypel put them in a place last year where this is a game that helps you maintain that. You slipped and gave one, not gave one, you got beat by Florida. Like You need for that Georgia game in November to be critical. Yeah, You need for that game, and, and you've got Alabama still. Right, so I feel like this is a game for Hypel that if you want to continue that upper trajectory, not in recruiting but in performance, you really kind of need this game. People were talking about Jimbo being on the hot seat, then they start four and one. How quickly the SEC works, a loss to Bama. If you lose to Tennessee and fall to four and three, all of a sudden the people in Aggieland will not be happy again. Yeah, and I think Jimbo's always the easy take on that. But well, because they're paying him a billion dollars. But, and... but realize where Tennessee is now. I mean, you've got this game, you've got Alabama, you've got Georgia still on your schedule, and they still have Kentucky on their schedule. Yeah, right. So you, you start dropping games like this, and you could look up, and you could have four or five losses on a, in a season. Truthfully, that probably should have been number two. The only reason I have this at number two is I just love the history of this game. I'll never quite forget the burning building in the background mm. in the early nineties, and that's when Auburn goes to LSU tomorrow night on ESPN. Yeah, that is uh, – man, it is a good week of football. I, that is a good game. I don't know – like, LSU could be in the SEC championship. They're yeah. that good. They control their destiny still. They're that good, but they got to figure something out defensively. And it's so hard to say that about LSU, too, right? because for the longest time it was their defense is unreal and they couldn't get a quarterback or they couldn't do anything offensively. But now if they can just figure anything out defensively, that offense is one of the best in the country. Yeah. Actually, they don't control their own destiny. They would need Ole Miss to lose, I think, one more. Uh, But, I mean, if you beat Alabama, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. But a lot is still in front of LSU. And as far as Auburn, even though they're 3-2, and coming back to earth a little bit, people seem to be happy about Hugh Freeze out there. Do they? Uh, As far as Auburn, I mean, actually, I talked to Daniel Thomas in the Jaguar locker room, a former Auburn safety he seemed pretty happy with the job Hugh Freeze is doing. Yeah, they got they got to figure this passing game out. I mean, we've we work with two different guys at Auburn, so I watch a lot of Auburn football. Um, and and Peyton Thorne is a very good player. He played well against Georgia. He, ran the, well. he ran, ran the ball. Like, well. ran the ball. Like we yeah. and it's not like a quarterback passing game thing. I feel like it's just a passing game thing. It's not anybody's fault, but they can't get out of this seemingly funk that they had with the last coaches. Yeah, right, Brian Harson. So I, they need that breakout game um, from a passing perspective to just get some confidence. It's a good roster. It's not. A, it is a good Auburn team. Like they just need to get going in the passing game, and they they could be a problem. It's a tough putt though going to the Bayou, no doubt, on a yeah. Saturday night. And then finally, Florida, South Carolina. Now three thirty tomorrow. It's not CBS. It's SEC Network at three thirty. I'm not going to pick the Gators to win a road game until they do. So I will have to be wrong at some point because I will never pick them to win a road game until they actually win one. So I'm going to take South Carolina to win the game, and I feel fairly comfortable with that. I, I think that's fair. You got- I'm the same. They've 
They've broken. They've broken any spirit I have in them winning on the road. I think Spencer Rattler's good. I mean, you know Spencer Rattler mm-hmm. a little bit. Actually, I don't. Well, have you worked? You haven't no. worked. I thought you worked with him. No, no. I would love. Like I, I was telling you all before. I don't really want any new clients. So y'all don't take this the wrong way and don't don't call me about training your kid right now. Um, I would love to work with Spencer Rattler. Not just because I think he is such a natural thrower of the football. Mm-hmm. Like the way he spins a football is unbelievable. Well, he's been in college. By work, I just mean like. I'd just like to see him throw. He's been in college for nine years. He has not. He seems like man, he's been there forever, he man. Not. It's 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 not his fault. It's I'm with, I'm with Hack on this one. It seems like Spencer he's been, there been for... in college a long time. Yeah, I mean he's what he had the he redshirted Oklahoma. Then he was a starter. Then he got beat out the next year. Yeah, right. So then last year was his year at South this Carolina. Is his second year at South Carolina. And so he's been. This is his fifth year. Yeah. He just he spins the ball so well. Right. And if he really wanted to, he could come back. A, a, he absolutely the could. Next year. <laughs> who, absolutely uh, could. Who do y'all like? I, I mean, like I, Graham's I, going I, South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go South Carolina. But it's it's this, the road thing. It's everything you're saying. But y'all, as we're going from week to week with this, I have n- literally no idea what's going to happen in the games. Do y'all feel the same way? It's like I have no clue. Well, how any game's going to go. You I'm starting that, to get more of a clue. Yeah, you said they're a week to week team, and I I agree with you. The Kentucky game really was the one where I was like, man, yeah, I know they are bad outside of Gainesville. They got a chance to overtime. I'm going to take South Carolina. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it'll be a close game. Um, I'm only taking South Carolina because I have no reason to take Florida. To your point. They're going to figure this road thing out at least to a level where they are beating the teams they should beat. I, I, this could be the week. I hope it's the week. But like y'all are saying, they've given me no evidence to pick them. That is Graham Marsh. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. Now next week the Gators are on a bye, getting ready for the cocktail party here in Jacksonville, and seeing as how the Jaguars play a Thursday night game in New Orleans that won't get over until about eleven thirty. We'll keep you updated on what we're going to do here at Gator Bites on 1010XL. Well, I'm not going to be here. You will so not be here. They'll keep you updated. Yeah, you will, you will, you will be in California <laughs> yeah. living the dream for a little bit. Yeah. Graham and I will keep you updated, but we will definitely be back the Friday before the world's largest outdoor cocktail to, uh, party to preview that beating uh, that Florida is going to get in two weeks. So that's Denny Thompson, Graham Marsh. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Thank you for watching and listening to Gator Bites on the 1010XL dot com podcast network and on the florida gator 1010xl facebook page